Father, we open our hearts to you now as we go into your word. I pray as preacher of the word that you would speak through me today um, in spite of me, in spite of any of my shortcomings, in spite of uh, anything that I would do that could distract or maybe keep somebody from seeing your word. Uh, May your Holy Spirit use this time to speak to all of our hearts and to help us see things more clearly than we have seen them before. Challenge us and break us. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week we read from John 14 and 16 about Jesus' giving of the Holy Spirit and why he did that. He told his disciples that he was going to send the Holy Spirit to be with them, all of them at one time, and that the Holy Spirit would come inside them, be a great benefit to them. He would be their counselor, as Dan mentioned. He would be their comforter. He would be their guide. He would be their teacher. He would be their advocate. (laughs) He would be the one to enable, to strengthen, to encourage them so they could be bold in their witness for Christ. He would develop within us the gift of the Holy Spirit. These gifts that we would talk about, like in 1 Corinthians, where it talks about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, a lot of these things. He would help us to follow Christ and to live for Christ from day to day. Jesus also said that the Spirit would be out in the world. And he would be working in the world through us and through other measures. And in John 16, verse 8, he said this. He said, when the Spirit comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. And so we learn from what Jesus said about the Spirit that the Spirit's ministry is really twofold. First of all, the Spirit is working inside of followers of Jesus to do whatever will promote their growth and will encourage their effectiveness as disciples of Christ, as witnesses to the world of Jesus Christ. But secondly, he works out in the world to convince those who are lost that they need a Savior. They need someone to step in for them, someone to bring them back from their lostness. So what does John 16, 8 mean? It means the Holy Spirit's going to try and find a way to help every lost person realize that they are guilty of sinning against God. And that he will try to find a way to help every lost person realize that because God is just, they deserve to be judged. They deserve to be punished for what they have done, what we have done. However, the Holy Spirit will try to find a way that once they understand that they are in trouble, that they need Jesus. The Holy Spirit will point them to Jesus, the one and only Savior in this world. And this is what the Holy Spirit has been up to ever since the day that Jesus ascended back to heaven, back to his Father. This task is what the Holy Spirit has been about. To encourage, to grow the Christians, those who receive Christ, but also to convince and convict the world of their need for Jesus Christ. And this is a very important 
task, isn't it? Because God's heart beats for lost people. God cares about those people who were his children but who forfeited their inheritance, who went out on their own and they are prodigals now. And the Holy Spirit is out there through believers and through other measures to help them realize God wants them back. He wants them to come home. And this conviction then of sin is a very big deal. It is a very great thing. Let me show you something. Oswald Chambers said this. He says, conviction of sin is one of the rarest things that ever happens to a man, that ever strikes somebody, and it is the threshold of an understanding of God. Let me show you something. If this door over here represents space between us and God, and we have sinned, and we have failed God, and we have ruined our relationship with God, there is a barrier between us and God. We don't even know it. We may feel our lostness. We may feel the pain of that life. But God puts that barrier between us because of sin. And conviction of sin is the threshold of understanding, Oswald Chambers says. It is the opening. It is the Holy Spirit saying to you, you're outside of God, you're lost. But there is a way to get back to God. There is a way. And so when we come to this threshold, we begin to understand, hey, I'm lost and I need salvation. I need to be forgiven. And if I will accept Christ, if I will believe in Christ, if I will put my faith or trust in Christ to save me, then I can come back to God. The Bible says we need to repent. We need to turn away from sin and turn back to God. And we confess Christ, our faith in Christ. We are baptized into Christ. And the Bible assures us that when we are, we are forgiven of our sin. We receive the Holy Spirit. And the whole thing begins and carries on as it's supposed to. But conviction of sin is that thing that is the roadblock that stops somebody and says, Hey, wake up. Realize what's going on. Realize that you're outside of God and you're lost and you're doomed for hell, for, for condemnation, for judgment, for punishment, and something needs to happen here. And it is a critical, important place in a person's life if they ever get there at all. The most basic sin that we humans can commit and be guilty of is unbelief. Unbelief is to reject what God's offering, to, to, to reject Christ, to reject the salvation that God is offering, to deny that Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of the world is to doom our soul to hell for eternity. Any other sin can be forgiven. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how far you've gone. I don't care how depraved you have been in your lifestyle. Any other sin can be forgiven. But the sin of unbelief cannot be forgiven. To deny Jesus' rightful place is to reject what God is offering. So what the Holy Spirit does in convicting someone of sin and their need for the Savior Jesus is critical. It's essential. It's the difference between life and death for them. This morning I'm going to read two passages of Scripture with you as we move on. And we think about our place in this. How do we fit in to this whole task, this whole work of God? The first scripture is about Jesus going back to his hometown of Nazareth, his 
hometown where he grew up, where he spent the first 30 years or so of his life after they got back from Egypt. He spent a lot of time there. And his, his disciples have become very well known. And let's read what, he said, what it happens here when he goes back to Nazareth. It's in Luke 4, verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. Jesus went to church. Did you notice that? And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. These very important words. Finding the 61st chapter of Isaiah, clear at the end of the scroll, he read these words. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recover of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Everyone was glad to see the hometown boy who had made good. Synagogue readers said, hmm, Jesus is home, I guess we'll have him read today. You know, just kind of a churchy kind of thing. And so he says, choose a passage you want to read. He pulls out Isaiah, and he says, I want to go over to the end. And he reads clear over in the 61st verse, these words, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, to re- proclaim the recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Ah, their ears perked up. What? People of Nazareth had a hard time believing what he was saying here. They still remembered him as a small boy playing on the floor of his father Joseph's carpenter shop. They still remember him taking over the family business when Joseph died so that he could take care of his mother and his younger brothers and sisters. And they were thinking in their minds, I'm sure, what is he talking about? What is this? Now he thinks he's somehow the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy about the end times? What is this? If you continue reading in Luke chapter 4, if you have your Bible open, you will see that Jesus had to address their unbelief. He realized they would never let him do in Nazareth what he had done everywhere else. In fact, they tried to get rid of him. Luke tells us they got so upset, they grabbed him and forcefully took him up to the the brow of a a cliff of this hill and tried to throw him off. Just to be rid of him. That's how angry they got. Jesus walked down through the middle of them and he never returned home. He never came back home again. Be that as it may, we can talk about that another day. The words Jesus said here, the words that he applied to himself tell us what his ministry is all about. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to do these things. And we find out that the ministry of Jesus is the ministry of the Spirit today. What the Holy Spirit is doing in the world. The work of both Jesus and the Spirit is setting people free. Freeing them from their sin. Freeing them from death, from hell, from punishment, from guilt. That is what Jesus came into the world to do. And that is the work that the Holy Spirit is primarily concerned with yet today. God wants to set anyone free who is in spiritual bondage and, in fact, in many other kinds of bondages. 
Those who are bound by their sins, the Spirit of God wants to set free forever. So hang on to that scripture. Let's go to a second scripture. It's about a young wealthy man who came to be part of Jesus' ministry. It's in Luke chapter 18. In Luke 18, this apparently very good man comes to Jesus and says, I want to follow you. That's the point. I would like to be one of your disciples. And yet he had something in his life that prevented him from following Jesus all the way. Eventually, we find out he just can't. He can't do it. Follow along as I read from Luke chapter 18, starting with verse 18. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother. And this young man said, All these I have kept since I was a boy. He's a good guy. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And when he heard this, he became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. Uh, the wealth wasn't the problem, it was what he thought of as wealth. How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God, Jesus said. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with men is possible with God. Jesus asked him if he had kept the law, and he had. Jesus said, there's still one other matter. Because Jesus could look into his heart. He said, you need to just go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor and then come follow me. Just give all that up and come follow me and we're good. And the man was unwilling to do so because he was very wealthy, Luke tells us. He returned home rather than follow Jesus. Jesus wanted to set him free too, didn't he? He wanted to set him free from what we would want. Well, we would hang on to. Jesus said, there's something in between you and following me. One thing you lack. Take care of that, then you can follow me. Now, he didn't require this of everyone, did he? Every which person that came along, every person that had a measure of wealth, Jesus didn't say, you have one thing left. You've got to do, get rid of all your stuff, then you can follow me. That was not the standard answer. But for this man, this was the thing that held him in bondage. This was the thing that controlled his life. This was the hope of his life. This was the confidence of his life that he had enough money to take care of himself. Because it was ultimately about himself. And Jesus said, you've got to get rid of that. I've got to break that. I've got to break that hold on you. I've got to get you to release that, and I can set you free. Then you can truly serve me. And so you see this as a story of bondage. The big mistake that this young man was making was putting his hope and confidence in wealth and material things. He didn't think that they really don't last. It's not going to be good when you die. Following Jesus was the greatest thing he could do in his life, but he missed it. He missed being set free. And he went back home, and he kept on chasing his dreams. People live in bondage to all sorts of things, don't you know? 
Sometimes even after they start following Jesus, you know, I want to be a Christian, I like that, I like the salvation, I like the forgiveness, I like church, I like a lot of different things, but I just want to hang on to something. The bondage might be to drugs, might be to alcohol, it might be to sex or pornography, maybe to materialism, maybe uh, their way of making money, and I really, that's, that's really what I, that's really what I'm important and, and think is important in life is my job. Jesus comes to set us free from that kind of thinking. Sometimes people live in fear, to, in bondage to fear, to anxiety, or, or maybe to envy. And Jesus says, one thing is in the way. One thing is controlling you. One thing is stopping you. And my business is setting people free from anything that holds them in bondage. We are not to be bound to anything or to anyone except Jesus Christ. This is the oldest story of human history, isn't it? This age-old story of bondage and freedom. Because before we became a Christian, all of us were in bondage to sin, weren't we? All of us were outside that door. We didn't even really think about it. We didn't know it. We, we felt the pain, maybe, but we didn't understand what to do about it. We didn't, we didn't know until the Holy Spirit convicted our hearts that through Jesus Christ, there could be a change. There could be a, 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 a captive set free. And so we came to faith in Christ. We were all bound to sin. We were all condemned to, to, to hell and death. And Jesus set us free. This is what the Bible says. The Apostle Paul said in Romans six eighteen, You have been set free from sin. And to become slaves to righteousness. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity, to every increasing wickedness, so now, now offer them in slavery to righteousness leading to holiness. Romans 6.22 Now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In 2 Corinthians 3 Paul said, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. Jesus said in John 8.32, you're going to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Again, in John 8.36, he said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. See, the, the Bible speaks a lot about freedom, because that's our problem. Before Christ, we're in bondage. Before Christ, we are controlled by someone or something else. And in Christ, we can be set free. In the past, we have been slaves to a multitude of masters, to alcohol or drugs or sexual sins or materialism or perfectionism or pride or fear or anger. You just name whatever you name. Whatever it may be, that one thing you lack. But now, in Christ, we are given freedom to serve the living God. And we must serve him only. Apostle Paul said in Galatians 2.20, here's where I am. He says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. The life I live, I now live by faith in Christ. Christ lives in me. Do you need to be set free this morning? Big, big question. Maybe there's someone here today that has never even been at that doorway yet. That doorway, that threshold of conviction. And today the Holy Spirit is convicting you and saying to you, uh, I think you better stop. 
think you better pause right here. Something big going on here. Pay attention. You stand guilty before God. And like everyone else who's ever lived here on earth except Jesus Christ, you are guilty of sin, and the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, Maybe it's time to wake up. Maybe it's time to think about where you are. Maybe it's time to let that Holy Spirit convict you today of sin. Do you need to be set free this morning? In the book Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan describes how the pilgrim in the story realizes his guilt and lostness. Strapped to his back is this heavy burden of sin and shame. It's just weighing down. He can hardly walk. Staggering under its weight, Pilgrim says, I fear that this burden upon my back will sink me lower than the grave. (laughs) A lot of truth there. But then in his journey, he approaches a hill, a little hill called Calvary. And Bunyan writes this, he says, Up this way, therefore, did burdened Christian run, but not without great difficulty because of the load on his back. He ran thus till he came to a place somewhat ascending, and upon that place stood a cross, and a little below in the bottom, a sepulchre, a grave. So I saw in my dream that just as Christian came up with the cross, came up to the cross, his burden loosed from his shoulders and fell off from his back and began to tumble, and so continued to do till it came to the mouth of the sepulchre where it fell in, and I saw it no more. And the pilgrim lost his burden because he was set free from the burden of sin and shame and death and hell. And do you know that if there's a Christian here today who has accepted the forgiveness of Christ, but they're still carrying around this burden, they're still trapped, they're still captive, they're still under the control of something and in bondage to that, it is like Christian going back into that sepulcher and picking up the burden and says, well, I know what he did, I know what he wants, but I'm going to carry it anyway. And you leave the little hill called Calvary still carrying the burden, that one thing. In Christ we are set free, never to be in bondage to anyone or anything but Jesus ever again. Because sin is real. Sin is ugly, isn't it? You've been there. You know how bad it is. God doesn't pretend that sin is okay, it's acceptable. Just leave it alone. Because sin imprisons people. Sin kills people. In Christ, God has given us the opportunity to break free, but we must choose to accept what Jesus is offering us, and we must walk in our freedom, choosing to serve Christ out of love and gratitude. But the problem is that even as followers of Christ, we may hold on to the wrong things. We may accept God's forgiveness on one hand, and yet hold on to something else that keeps us in bondage with the other. Dwight L. Moody said that some people are trying to live by faith as though they are paddling hard in a rowboat, trying to go somewhere, and the rope's still tied to the dock. (laughs) So he said, don't be tied to this world. Cut the cord. Just get rid of that weight of earthly things, and you'll soon be able to go on for Christ. 
Are you tied to the weight of earthly things? Do you lack the freedom to follow where God tells you to go? Is the Holy Spirit prompting you, and all the while you've got this heavy burden just dragging you down, keeping you from even moving forward? Can you feel the weight of the world's bondage? The Lord wants you to live as a free man or a free woman, not tethered to anything of this world. So cut your losses, cut it off, and move on with Christ. This morning, even as a Christian, are you still in bondage to something? Do you need to be set free? Jesus can set you free today. He wants to change your life if you'll let him. Even if you think you're too far gone, oh, it's too late for me. No, it's not. I've gone too far with this. I can't come back. Yes, you can. And even today, if you've been following Christ for a while, but holding on to something, it's time for another moment of conviction. It's another doorway. It's another time for God to say, uh, you better stop. You better think about this. Because this is the difference between life and death. If you think you've gone too far, that your life can't change at all, it can. Through the power of Jesus Christ. Please watch this video with me. And let God speak to your heart as you do. John Newton was a man who knew both the bondage of sin and the liberating power of the Holy Spirit. He was nurtured by a devout Christian mother who prayed that her only son would become a preacher. But she died when he was very young. And he became a sailor following the example of a sea captain father. He eventually sailed for places where he believed he could sin freely. Those are his words. He ended up on the western coast of Africa working for a slave trader who mistreated him. But after more than a year of abuse, he managed to escape from the island in 1747. The following year, his ship was battered by a severe storm. Newton was reading the imitation of Christ at the time and became a Christian. However, he then served as captain of a slave ship for six years. He hated his sin. He turned to God for help and deliverance from that life that made him as much a slave as those he had captured. As Newton surrendered to God's control, God delivered him from his life of shame. He quit the sea. He quit the slave trade. He grew to the place where he became an outspoken opponent of slavery. He became known as the old converted sea captain. And Newton began to preach the gospel. He also began writing hymns that told the story of his spiritual journey, one of which we all know, Amazing Grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Near the end of his life, John Newton suffered from bad health and failing memory. But he said this, he says, My memory is nearly gone, but I can remember two things. First of all, I am a great sinner. And secondly, Jesus is a great Savior. He had found liberation from the sin that had bound him for so long. And so can you. Do you need to be set free? We're going to sing a song together.
Lord, keep making me. Make me broken. Make me empty. Help me to realize how lost I would be except for Jesus. And keep making me who you want me to be. If you are ready to accept salvation, you come forward today while we sing. If you are ready to be set free from anything in your life that has been holding you in bondage, you come up and you ask for prayer. You seek the help of the Holy Spirit and of the body of Christ here in this place. May this be a time of genuine, sincere decision-making because we're standing at that doorway. It's the doorway of conviction. Will you step through the door? Will you get over the threshold? Will you be set free today? Let's pray. Father, as we sing, be on our hearts. Don't let us leave this room until we've made whatever decision we need to make for you. We stand at the doorway. Convict us. Help us to take the steps we need to take right now. Bless anyone here today, Father, who is your child that you're calling home. Bless anyone that has been living for Christ and yet they've been holding on to something and they've got to let that go. Help us now to make whatever decisions we need to make. Convicted and led by your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me?